This episode of Didn't I Just Feed You is sponsored by By Heart. Longtime listeners know that Stacy and I both struggled with infant feeding stages with all our kids. Breastfeeding was hard, and choosing a formula was, well, also hard. We're thrilled to be working with By Heart, an infant nutrition company on a mission to make the best formula in the world. Not only is By Heart an easy-to-digest formula, their formula is also clinically proven for easier digestion, less spit-up, and softer poops versus leading infant formula. By Heart has their own patented protein blend that includes prebiotics and an 80-20 whey-to-casein ratio, just like in early breast milk, which is tailor-made for a newborn's digestive system. Curious about By Heart? Redeem your welcome offer at byheart.com slash podcast with code D-I-J-F-Y for a limited time. That's byheart.com slash podcast and code D-I-J-F-Y, short for Didn't I Just Feed You. Additional terms and conditions apply. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Also, we're kind of taught, like, don't talk about it. (laughs) And actually, we should have been filling the void because the kids are filling the empty spaces with their own, you know, connections and their own observations. Welcome to Didn't I Just Feed You? A podcast about feeding us kids. Hi, I'm Stacy, And I'm Megan. Welcome to our mini summer season of Didn't I Just Feed You, Stacey? Woo! <laughs> I love summer. I'm actually, so many summers before this have been really stressful. Like, what am I going to do with the kids? And now at 9 and 12, they have very little camp, but we're like sending them to grandparents. And then I also have some childcare support for the first time in years. And we're doing like a Broadway show here and there and, you know, like fun activities. And I'm excited. I am. <laughs> it's going to be awesome. I'm Are jealous. you excited for summer? I'm I jealous know. because our summer is the exact opposite where it's like the first summer that we're having Ella, our first grader, not do a ton of camps and like mostly hang at home. She is doing two weeks with my mom here in June. And we also like are trying to figure out new child care for Emmett, our four and a half year old. So he's only in two days a week camp right now. So it's like kind of crazy at our house, which also fair warning, both of my kids are home with me this morning. And so (laughs) they may interrupt us. I love it. I love their voices. They're like plugged in. They are upstairs away from where I record, like on their iPads, eating dry cereal, which they think is like. Yeah. The very best morning that they're like snuggled in bed having screen time. And I I have no mom guilt about it. It's what you, has to happen to get you it You shouldn't because A, it's their summer too. And my kids would also be super psyched even at 9 and 12. Yeah. <laughs> right? In bed with dry cereal and a screen. It's like right? the dream. Living the dream. And also like we last night we rode bikes to dinner and we, we stayed out really late and played in the little fountain that's downtown in Boise. And so like I – they're worn out. They like need a slow morning. Yeah, so totally. I have no guilt. But I get, I get the hectic piece of it. I mean, it really has been like that for years. Yeah. And you know, talk to me in August, Megan. <laughs> I know, right? We'll check it back in right before back to school. Speaking, Speaking of which, <laughs> we're on it today. Yes. Who wound Tell you us, up? Stacey. Speaking of which. Speaking of which. So this summer season is going to be five episodes. It's going to take us, actually, no, that's not true, Megan. It's It's going longer. Yeah. Yeah. So we're going to do five or six episodes. We're going to take one skip week. And then people, starting August 5th, we are launching our back to school season. And it is going to be so chock full of serious information, great guests, and we might have a few other fun things up our sleeves. Yeah, it also will be the the one year birthday of yeah. Didn't I Just Feed You? And I feel like we should do something special for our subscribers and people in our listeners group 
to celebrate that. So people might want to be subscribed, I think, is what we're saying here. Yeah, I think you're right. That is what we're saying. So (laughs) subscribe right now, wherever you are listening, because besides one week, really, at the very end of July, we are going straight through people. We're going to, in the summer, be talking about popsicles and grilling and all of this stuff that's going to help you make it through the summer, quick, easy, light. And then we're going to jump right into back to school first thing in August when we know a lot of people around the country are already starting to think about packing lunches. But before we get into all the fun stuff we have planned for a summer season, (laughs) we're going to talk about... Something maybe less fun, Is maybe it? a little more serious. Yeah, probably. We're going to talk about our bikini bodies today. <laughs> oh, Megan, I love talking about my bikini body. How could my, that not be fun? Uh, my friend Rachel was like, we're on a text thread, and she was like, I just Googled the phrase mom bikini, and I have never felt more depressed in my entire life. Oh, my life. God, I'm doing it right now as we talk. <laughs> I need to know. Oh, wow. But I will say, I have spent like the last month on a quest for a new couple of swimsuits for summer because we joined the Y and both kids are taking summer um, swimming lessons. And like, I just want to feel comfortable in my swimsuit, not like related to weight, which we are going to talk about. But the idea that like I can bend over and help Emmett with his little swimmies without my whole hanging out. And that was, like, surprisingly hard to find was, like, a swimsuit that was, like, full coverage butt, but also, like, cute and not matronly. Yeah. I've always had that problem at any weight I've been at because I just have a big butt. (laughs) I do. I do. I I like my big butt. Don't get me wrong. I'm glad the culture has caught up with me. I've been waiting for that for a while. (laughs) (laughs) But that's a – it's a – Tall order, apparently. Yeah, it really is. Also, talking about weight loss with parents and in our culture is also a tall order. Uh, Yeah. So we both have so much to say about this. I personally want to feel like I look hot. I'm going to just say it. But what that means to me is really different than what it used to mean to me. Yeah. So... Like, that doesn't mean I need to be a size, even a size eight. Yeah. So, which is what? Is that like the average size or what we're told is the average size? Who knows if that's actually true? And who's telling us that? Yeah. It really makes a difference. Right. Yeah. But I'd be lying if I didn't say that I want it to be practical. And I also want to look in the mirror and be like, Phyllis, you look good. Yeah. You look good. You don't look perfect, but that's not what matters. But like your husband's going to give you a little side eye and be like, nice. (laughs) (laughs) Like, I like that. Yeah, I do. And it's been really interesting to me struggling with a fairly recent diagnosis of PCOS, which is polycystic ovarian syndrome. Weight figures into that prominently. I'll talk about that later if it comes up. But between that, being really drawn to the anti-diet movement, which we touched on like season one. Yeah. We have actually been talking a lot about like here and there throughout recent episodes about the idea of like body positive and intuitive eating and how we both like really, really love that movement. And I think that that's why we want to talk about weight loss and the idea that it's like, it's okay if you want to lose weight, because I think we're both finding that we don't feel like there's a middle ground for parents, like where we can be body positive for our kids and be anti-fad diet, but also feel like we are taking time to take care of ourselves. At least that's my personal take on it. And I want to say that like before we get really deep into talking about our own personal stories and talking about how we think you can have both. Like I think you can be body positive and I think you can still want to lose weight. I think we should just preface this with saying we are going to talk about weight loss in this episode. Um, We're not going to talk about fad diets other than to say that they don't work. But if that is a personal trigger for you, then I think you should skip this episode and listen to like meal prep and meal planning instead, which are other great ways to take care of yourself without the pressure of weight loss. Totally. Um, And we're also not experts. I mean, we're experts in food and cooking, but we're not experts in diet and nutrition. So please take any of our advice with that grain of salt. 
Yeah. And I, and I, I'm really, thank you for saying that. I think that was really thoughtful and it's, you know, it's true that this can be a trigger for a lot of women. I mean, in some ways it's a trigger for us. And I think what we're trying to do here is process together. Yeah. Because we have both been so drawn to the anti-diet movement and then also in some ways kind of let down by it. Yep. And we're really seeking just some real life practical balance, kind of what we're seeking and trying to serve up for other parents when it comes to just cooking and managing that. You and I are also seeking that kind of balanced, non-judgmental, like practical middle of the road approach that leaves room for a lot of variation on every side when it comes to weight loss. And we're having a really hard time finding it. Yeah. And let's make a little promise that we check back in after this episode, like maybe the last episode of our summer season, we'll just do a little segment where we check back in and maybe we can take some advice from our listeners and some feedback from our listeners. And then also some of our friends who are experts, like I think of Katie Morford, who we just had on, who is a nutritionist and dietitian, like she may have some sane advice to add to our conversation and we should follow up at the end of the season. Cool. Uh, Before we get really deep into it. Literally. Literally. Um, We want to make sure you know exactly what to listen to after this episode. Because if you love Didn't I Just Feed You, you will also love our friends Sarah and Megan at the Mom Hour. Oh, they're the best. Let's listen to them and hear what the Mom Hour is all about. Hi, I'm Sarah. And I'm Megan. We're the co-hosts of the Mom Hour podcast. And between us, we have eight kids from little to grown. We're in different areas of the country and in different stages of life. But we both know that motherhood's a lot easier when real moms share ideas and encouragement and remind you that it's all going to be okay. In every episode of our show, you'll hear practical tips, judgment-free advice, and real stories about how we handle parenting challenges in our own families. We hope you'll come away feeling like what you're experiencing right now is normal and that you're not alone or crazy. We talk about stuff like working motherhood, potty training, being a school parent, and getting meals on the table. From new motherhood to tweens and teens, we've got you covered, and our personalities are pretty different, so that's always fun. Yep, we're not experts. We are parents who've been there. We're not perfect. We're real. Join us at The Mom Hour, available wherever podcasts are found or online at themomhour.com. All right, you guys, here's the thing. I found a bikini that I like. It's a two-piece. It's from Old Navy. And the weirdest part of it to me personally is that it's my first time buying a swimsuit from the plus size department. And I feel like I've spent the last two years, you know, we we moved to Boise two years ago and there was a lot of stress around moving. And then I, my, my husband and I also had some personal loss and stuff in, in that time that we moved. So it was like very stressful. And I gained a lot of weight during that time. But I said to myself, like, there's so much more that I need to focus on outside of my weight. Even though I'm not really feeling great in my body, I need to just like practice a lot of care, self-care and self-acceptance and grace. Um, And in that two years, I've also been dealing with my anxiety and depression being kind of bad. And so I, I was focusing on myself in a different way. I was trying to take care of my mental health first and foremost. But I'm coming out of that two years where I'm feeling like in a really healthy place with my mental health and needing to evaluate other parts of my personal health. And so I just started last week actively trying to lose weight, which is a weird thing to say out loud, (laughs) I feel like, especially on a podcast about food. And especially because I grew up with a mom who was constantly on a diet. And I said, I would never, ever, ever be that mom. And here I am feeling like I want to lose weight this summer, that that's like a personal goal for me. And I feel like weight is a little bit of a misnomer, right? Because I don't think weight is the only indicator of health um, or even the best indicator of health. Yes, preach that. Yeah. Which is a lot of like what anti-diet culture talks about and preaches to us is like, you can be healthy at any size. And yes, that's true. But I just want to be like so candid and say, I do, my body does not feel good at this weight. I am currently, Mm -hmm. I'm going to say it. Oh, Stacey, I'm going to say it. I'm currently 185 pounds and I'm about five, seven and a half, almost five, eight. So like, that's not outside of a healthy limit for me. Totally. 
but I know I feel my best closer to 155, 160. And when I say feel my best, here are some of the things that are like happening for me. I feel like I cannot keep up with my kids, like when we're at the playground running around with them because of the extra weight that I'm carrying. When I have a day of recipe testing, at the end of the day, my feet are like they hurt. My body hurts. My hips hurt, which is really unusual for me. I remember that I came from culinary school. I've worked in a, a test kitchen for 10 years. Recipe testing has, is a weekly part of my work routine. And my body, I know that my body's getting older, but I also know that my body is physically trained to stand for that long. Yeah. So having those symptoms to me is an indication that my body doesn't feel its best. I think it's affecting my sleep. It's for sure affecting my hormones. So it's just time. And and I'm not, I don't want to be like, I'm going on a diet because that's not it. That's, I don't actually think that, fad diets work. I've tried Whole30. I recently, actually, when we were in Austin, I was like, I'm trying out in, intermittent fasting. And Stacy, mm-hmm. you can share how terrible that was. <laughs> <laughs> it was so bad. My body, like, does. I was cranky. We were cranky with each other. Stacy's like, I need to eat breakfast. I'm eating breakfast without you. <laughs> I um, eat breakfast every day. <laughs> and also, I feel like, and we'll, we'll kind of loop back to this more and more in the episode, but like, I feel like that was a hard thing to model for, or like to do with my kids. Like I want to have breakfast all together, even if what I'm eating for breakfast is different from what they're eating. Um, and intermittent fasting kind of changes your eating window in a way that like, you're not eating the same meals as the rest of your family. So that was important to me to change that. So what I'm doing is I'm on my fitness pal, which you guys can follow me there if you want to, that might be weird. Um, I'm Megan, (laughs) Megan J. Splon there. So I'm just tracking like what I eat every day. I'm trying to um, exercise five times a week. And I also have an accountability partner who is my best friend. And I'm also checking in with my therapist because, again, my mental health is a part of this and I need that support. I also want to say that like that's a very – like that's a lot of privilege wrapped up in that plan. Like that I have someone who can support me who I pay, like paying a therapist, that I can use an app on my phone that I pay for to help me track, that I have a Y membership that I can go to the gym and work out no matter what the weather is. And there's this really interesting article going around, Stacey, about – oh, I shared it in Slack with us. I have, yeah, the New York Times. with From the New York Times. And – it's a it's a great we'll share it in the show notes. It's a great story. It's beautifully written. And the problem that I have with it is like this woman is talking about smashing the wellness industry. And she goes on to share how like how she got to a really beautiful place with intuitive eating is that she had a full-time therapist to work with who was like specifically nutrition. And I feel like that is a piece that's a little bit left out of when we talk about diet culture is like the privilege of being able to say like, I'm going to buy really good food for myself. Well, I'm going to work out. I have to say that I'm really, really glad you brought this up because it was something that I wanted to bring up, but it's not like a core part of my personal story, but that there is this piece of diet industry that really is about diversity, equity, and inclusion that I really don't want to lose. And, you know, again, I'm trying to, I find myself in middle of the road. So there are pieces that I take from anti-diet culture that I still think are important. And this is one of them that, you know, the whole, you can be healthy at any weight really is about reflecting the truth that medical standards, norms, what's considered healthy is all defined by white people and in particular white men, right? Mm-hmm. So that's a very big, important piece to for us to keep in mind. And also this privilege piece that you're talking about. So I, it's like, there's something good about it, but then also like all you anti-diet people are on one hand advocating for like, eat what you have access to, what's convenient to cook, like stop beating yourself up, like as long as you're healthy. But then what does healthy mean? A lot of under, I hate that term underprivileged, a lot of people with less privilege who don't have access to healthy 
you know, food, let's say, or like all natural foods, fruits and vegetables, the things that I I think we can all agree are good for our bodies may not also have access to the kind of healthcare that helps them monitor the impact of eating a certain way. So in some way, even including us, I think this conversation is just going in circles with privileged white women. Yes. And actually, I I want to touch on you were like, oh, I don't like the word underprivileged. Underrepresented is a great term to use in this instance. Yeah. Underrepresented, that, although there is a financial factor. I think underrepresentation also includes people who are lower income. Yeah. Yeah. That's of a good all, one. So of I'm, all colors. Uh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Because I think that this is a huge piece of it, right? Like who has access to what kinds of foods and the impact on their body? Yeah. So yes, we're acknowledging that this is just like a lot of privileged women, probably majority white women having this conversation a little bit in circles. Yeah. <laughs> if you ask me and we're a contributing it. to it. And I do think that part of the key is to just for all of us to stop freaking focusing on it so much, like for all of us to, especially the ones, those of us who have privilege, figure out what makes sense for you, be mindful of what you're modeling in front of your kids and set that goal and not have anybody judge you. Like, oh my gosh, that's the end of the episode. That's uh, all. <laughs> from, right? Like, isn't that I'm where kidding. we want to land though? Yeah, I think that is. So that's why we don't harp on this topic a lot in our podcast, even though you and I talk about it a lot offline. Yeah. Yeah. But like I said earlier, we're processing. So thank you for sharing your story. Ooh, I have a I couple wanna... of questions. Oh, okay. Go. No, I want to add one thing to your, like those three points of like finding the middle ground, yeah. which is that one of the thing, one of the fringe benefits of our friendship has been that you're in a different season of parenting. We talk about this a lot. Like sometimes some seasons are really busy and some crazy and some seasons last years and some last weeks. Um, But I feel like personally, I'm just coming out of that really hard season when your kids are really young and it's harder to find time to go to the gym or to focus on yourself in a lot of ways. And actually our friend Jill Krause posted this thing on her Instagram. It'll be, have been a couple weeks when this um, episode airs about 40 weeks for me. She's like, I'm finally finished with the season of birthing babies breastfeeding babies. And like, I finally feel like I have some space to take as long as it took me to grow my babies in my body to actually focus on myself for 40 weeks. Um, and she's using that hashtag, hashtag 40 weeks for me, which is really cool. And you guys should check it out for some inspiration. But I think that what I'm trying to get to is that if you're in the season where you have like toddlers and babies, it's, it's really hard to find time to work out. And you should not beat yourself up for that. But just know that there is a light at the end of the tunnel. There is going to be time and season for you to work on yourself. And that's been one of my favorite things to take away from you, Stacey, is like you're in a totally different season with your boys and you have more time to like take care of your health and to work out. And so I'd love to hear what you're doing. I do. ask your questions. Yes. Yeah. Okay. So a couple of questions, uh, in order to lose weight, and maybe this is something you have to report back on. Yes. Do you have a sense of how restrictive you're going to have to be? Yeah. In um, order to cool lose the pounds. Yeah. That's the cool thing about my fitness pals. It, it gives, I mean, it's not perfect. It's a free app. But it gives you, like, it lets you set some goals. So I have a six-month goal to lose 30 pounds, which sounds like a lot, actually. Yeah. But I also am being realistic that it's going to go, my weight is going to go up and down in the next next six months. Um, And I like having that long of a range because I don't want to just, like, diet and exercise for 12 weeks and lose the weight and then, like, be fine. I really am focusing on changing my relationship with food in yeah. general which varies from like having had some um, disordered eating in my teens to like doing a lot of therapy around that and like getting comf- I've I really in the last two years I've just got comfortable with the idea that comfort eating is not bad. Like I struggled so much because I would be like, oh, I, I'm an emotional eater. And as soon as I let go of the idea that like 
I'm an emotional eater and that all of us humans, we are hardwired to eat for comfort. Like that is a perfectly acceptable reason to eat something. All of a sudden my like comfort eating binges or like emotional eating binges really reduce dramatically. Like I will go eat my Dairy Queen dipped cone in my car and and maybe cry a little. (laughs) (laughs) It's quite a picture you've painted. (laughs) Yeah, I know, right? And feel fully satisfied with that as like a comforting mechanism when I'm having a hard time than eating like a whole bag of Oreos, which I've done before in in a fit of emotional eating. So anyway, to to loop back to your question, I don't want to share like the actual calories that my fitness pal suggests, which I think are a little bit too low. So I'm setting a personal range based on suggestions from my doctor and my law, my long-term goals. But yes, my fitness pal gives you a calorie goal to work on every day, but I'm more focused on getting enough fat. Um, cause I think that just helps my body feel good when I, when I'm focusing on calories a little bit and then, um, lots of vegetables because I also just like need to eat more vegetables. I don't I know you. if you feel that way. I'm like telling my kids they need to eat more vegetables. And I'm like, I had one piece of cauliflower. I have, I definitely have felt that way. <laughs> I have definitely gone through phases where my kids were eating way more vegetables than me. And I was preaching something that I wasn't yeah. practicing. It's so, hard. you know, my story is a little bit different different. Um, I have felt overweight my entire life. And I would say primarily because of, um, the way that my mom spoke about weight, Mm -hmm. um, and what her standards were and her standards are very much in line with the kind of standards that we talk about dismantling at this point. She's beautiful. She's naturally, we have the same body type, but she's naturally smaller and thinner than I am. And she just because she has such a deep passion for it. She's a fantastically talented artist and loves fashion. And as an adult, went back to the Fashion Institute of Technology, which is one of the best fashion schools, just for herself to get a degree. So I grew up completely surrounded by stacks of Vogue and Mademoiselle and fashion magazines. And I, as you know, as we've talked about on this this show, love clothes and fashion myself. So that's been a big influence in how I thought about myself because there were really no plus size models. No, not that I was even plus size, but anyway, just like no model for anybody who looked really normal, to be honest. I grew up in the like Kate Moss era. Everybody was like wafy thin. They even called it heroin chic, which is bananas. (laughs) I grew up with that as a like picture and a phrase that was normal in my life. So I just kind of like yo-yoed. Sometimes I was happy. Sometimes I wasn't. I look back on some pictures and I'm like, oof, that was a rough time. (laughs) I just kind of went up and down. I had done Weight Watchers a bunch of times, but I also will say this, that um, I don't believe I've I mean, I definitely like emotionally or I eat too much. I have never had anything that is qualified as disordered eating, but this is how effed up it is. I used to, like, I tried throwing up once when I was a teenager and I was like, ugh, that's not for me. <laughs> like, I remember being like, oh, I wish I could do it. Like, isn't that wild? I wish like, I could it, do it. I don't, I, and I don't think there's that much space from, like binging and purging, which you're talking about and intermittent fasting, like none of it really Very interesting. Yeah. And we all try like, and yet like so many women were, we will just try anything. Yeah. I would, I've definitely not been to try anything, although this is when it changed. Like I never really dieted. I just was like, I love food too much. I would more toggle between hating my body and then like being like, oh, well, (laughs) And then like not paying attention to how I ate at all, like even in terms of health. And then I'd be like, uh, I should probably watch our meeting both for health and for weight. And then really the only diet I'd ever done was Weight Watchers up until a few years ago. So I had been diagnosed with um, ovarian cysts when I was a teenager. No one spoke to me about it. A doctor handed me a package of birth control pills and was like, here, this will take care of it. And that was that. So I have two kids. I have a hard time breastfeeding. It turns out I had all these other signs 
but I didn't think anything of it. And then a couple of years ago, I just stopped losing weight. I had a female doctor look me in the eye at one point and say, oh, well, welcome to 40, which no, was insane. That's terrible. 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 And at this point, my husband had even said, uh, maybe you're not losing weight because you're not eating enough because I was trying everything. I did Whole30. Yeah. I did intermittent fasting. I was vegan before eight. Like I was desperate. Like I was at my absolute highest. You, I, so you shared your weight and height. I'm five, four and a half or like just shy of five, five. And I was 155 pounds. I didn't feel comfortable in my skin. I was tired, extremely tired all the time. And I was desperate and I was nothing was, I was not losing a pound. I kid you not. And something was just wrong. I knew something was wrong. Fast forward, I went to see several endocrinologists at this point. I've been diagnosed with PCOS, which again is polycystic ovarian syndrome. Weight gain, it's a syndrome, right? So this is not like the kind of sickness that I have to like monitor my blood or that I'm in danger, you know, that my health is in danger of anything in particular other than it can impede your ability to get pregnant. Clearly that isn't relevant for me anymore. And it can give you very difficult periods, which mine have been under control since I've had kids. And you can cause, you can gain a lot of weight. And the more weight you gain when you have PCOS, the, there's really no other way to put it. Get that blooper ready, Samantha. The shit you feel like, mm. like I wake up after nine hours of sleep and I'm exhausted. I feel like I haven't slept at all. So I was in a bad way. The other thing is that PCOS works on insulin. It's a little complicated. It's actually a hormonal imbalance at its core, but it impacts your insulin. And what I've discovered is that if I eat carbs, which are my love language, I don't know Mm -hmm. how else to put it. Yeah. Listen to the episode about pasta. Yes. (laughs) Like I love carbs. So if I eat carbs, I am like, my day is decimated. I am not exaggerating. I'm like at four o'clock, like pick me up off the floor. And I have to literally say to myself, okay, just like one foot in front of the other. Okay. Just cook dinner. Just get through cooking. Okay. Just get through getting them to brush their teeth. Like I literally have to walk myself through my day. I'm so exhausted. So I'm at a point where I have to restrict my diet. Like I don't eat carbs during the day. That is not what makes me happy. (laughs) (laughs) Not at all. I wish I could eat pasta for three meals a day. Like I'd eat it for breakfast. I'm on a diet that is restrictive and I do it to feel well. Number one, tiredness has become more important to me than weight. Like if I didn't, if I felt energetic, like I would definitely have a different point of view on this probably. But for me personally, energy is number one. I feel terrible when I don't have energy. And then number two, given how quickly I can lose, I mean, I can gain weight by looking at a slice of pizza. I'm not kidding. (laughs) Like if I eat carbs, refined carbs, I gain weight so, so quickly. I'm talking about like bread, rice. I'm not talking about fruit, sugar, carbs. Yeah. So- Uh, And then if I gain it, it takes me like double the amount of work to lose. So like for me to really lose a significant amount of weight requires me to literally eat like a supermodel, like no carbs at all, vegetables and salads for almost all of my meals, like lean, plain fish or chicken, no sauce, no butter. And I'm not going to do that. Yeah. So you can't. Also, that's that's the part we haven't (laughs) talked about very well is like, both of us have to eat for our job. Like yeah. You, I have to test recipes that are like chocolate chip cookies and I'm trying to think of like mayo covered chicken yeah. cutlet, you know, like we have to eat. So that makes it really hard to be super restrictive. There has to be balance for us. Yeah. I mean, eating makes me happy. So, so for me, not gaining weight is also about not getting myself into a position where I feel terrible and then have to lose weight because the restrictiveness I'll have to employ to lose the weight will be so, so much worse. Yeah. So really what I've come to is understanding what diet, and I don't mean diet in terms of 
weight loss. I mean, the word diet means the food you put in your mouth. Exactly. So I've come to terms with the diet that gets me to feeling optimally healthy. And the factors for that, for me personally, are energy, my weight, how I look, because I am vain AF, and and just like my ability to continue to maintain my workouts because I love being strong. And I've started doing um, weight training twice a week for a little over a year now. And I feel great. Like I feel strong and like I'll be able to keep up with my kids and like it makes me feel good. So that's where I am. And it, like I said, it really does require me to be restrictive to some degree. It In the net, it works out. Is it in the gross or in the net? In the net, right? In the net. See how bad yeah. I am with numbers? Like even number <laughs> terms. I don't know. I'm like, huh? In the net, I it works out for me, for me. And I feel like that's where I wish the conversation was. Like I wish there was more empowerment, tools, conversation that served as guidelines to empower each woman, each person to figure out what works for them, as opposed to on one side, everybody pushing diets and wellness, a huge amount of wellness culture really is diet culture in disguise. It is. It is. It just is, right? Yeah. And then on the other side, though, I feel like the anti-diet people are also, and maybe this is a function of social media and just how we can get our messages out there these days, given the nature of how we communicate, where our country is, like middle of the road is boring. And I feel like even the anti-diet people now are like, you shouldn't be on a diet. Like you shouldn't, like, I don't want to be a bad feminist to say that like, I don't eat carbs during the day. Yes. Yes. You talked about that in text. You were like, I'm tired of feeling like I'm a bad feminist because I want to lose weight. Um, And I actually like basically had to ask my therapist to write me a permission slip that was like, it's okay if you want to lose weight. It's okay. Like that doesn't make you a bad person. It doesn't make you a bad food writer. It doesn't make you a bad mom to a daughter. Like it is okay. But but here's the thing to loop back to what you're saying is like, that doesn't make great content for social media. Stacey. Right. Right. <laughs> right. Hey guys, just do what's right for you. <laughs> it's like you said, I ended the episode up, up top. Like if yeah. you're not willing to like get personal and just be, I don't know, gabbers like us, like there isn't that much to say. <laughs> right. And here's another, like, I'm going to be really candid. I'm probably not going to share any of my weight loss journey on my social media. Yeah. Because guess what? That. My audience doesn't want that. They want biscuits. Yeah. They want sprinkle yep. covered chocolate. And they they don't even want quick week, weeknight meals from me. <laughs> they don't so, want weight loss culture. Right? We were talking yeah. about that because you are at Megan underscore Splawn on Instagram. And we're always kind of like looking at each other's personal Instagram and, you know, trying to make sure that each of us offers something complimentary and different to didn't I just feed you. We're kind of like a little unit that way. And I was like, you posted a gorgeous picture of a fajita dinner that I was like, I want to put all of that in my mouth right now. And it, I mean, all your pictures get love because they're gorgeous. But I was like, damn, people really just want biscuits from you. Yeah, I think it got like 85 likes, that fajita dinner. And then like two or three days later, I posted like a sprinkles popsicle and it has like 450 likes. Yeah, it's amazing what people like get to wanting. Yes. But, and we should add that you you're it. at Cece Billis and you have shared a little bit. Like, I, I know this was last summer, but you shared like a workout selfie that like people really engaged with. And you were like, oh, I'm totally. starting this. Oh my gosh. Not weightlifting. You're yeah. starting to do some weightlifting and like, it's making me feel so good. And people really resonated with that. What do you think the difference is that like for you sharing that versus food stuff, like that people are engaged with your personal story? Yeah, I really don't. I don't know. I mean, we've talked about it and I've wondered. I mean, I've definitely always been very open and candid and put myself at the center of my work. You know, I besides a stint at Cool Mom Eats, but then I was 
posting there on my personal social media and even at One Hungry Mama before I launched StacyBillis.com, I was always like, it's first person, it's first person content. And it always has been. And it really has been a journey of getting healthier so that Isaac and I could eat the same foods when he started eating solids and then struggling through having a second kid, gaining weight. That pregnancy was harder physically because I was way heavier. You know, I had, I just constantly kind of pepper that in. And so I do think there's a space for it, but I've never gone deep into weight loss. I really haven't. I I have mentioned that I have PCOS, but even that I'm cautious about going too deep because you can treat PCOS just with your diet, all naturally with pharmaceuticals that help regulate your insulin. You can do it with just herbs. There are a bunch of herbs that work the same way as metformin, which is a pharmaceutical that I'm currently trying that helps regulate my insulin to help avoid those high highs and those hardcore crashes when I eat sugar or bread. So, you know, there's just so many different approaches. I haven't wanted to be a proponent for any single one because, you know, this is what it all comes back to. It's like so personal. There's no one size fits all. Yep. You know, I want to, I'm curious, Megan, to get your take on this because we've shared a lot of personal detail, but something that I also struggle with now in thinking about, okay, there's ourselves, our personal stories. Then there's like two layers out. One, what we model for our kids, which Mm -hmm. includes our own behavior, our behavior in front of them and how we talk to them about it. But then also as food professionals, as people who have this podcast, what we're saying to the larger public and that even though we're pretty careful, we try to be, to not promote any single one thing, people do trust us and tune in to hear what we're doing and are curious. We get the DMs, we get the emails, and we share yeah. with people our details. How, like this anti-diet thing, do you think it's leading us astray? Like is healthy yes, a word that has any meaning anymore? No. Like what? No, it's so, health is so, so personal. And there's so many different angles that you can come at it from. And I think we were both a little bit worked up recently on like a pod, another podcast that they titled an episode about diet. Like, please don't up our kids. Yeah. It was like, moms shouldn't be on a diet. Both of us were like, whoa, whoa, whoa. I get that. Like that title is so clickable. And that's a thing that we don't talk about enough. Yes. um, Is like the peek behind the curtain of our, of a personal titling and, and how we title stuff for work that draws readers or listeners in. Cause that can be tricky. Cause we can say one thing in a headline, but as you get in deeper, it might be, it's a, all, it's often more nuanced. And that was the case. It totally was the case. This particular podcast episode was like, they were talking about modeling and they, they've also touched on this idea that like wellness is diet culture in disguise. So like, be careful if you're doing a cleanse or you're trying to eat clean or you're trying to do a whole 30 or whatever. But then at the same time, some people on that podcast also promote putting spinach in muffins for kids, which great. I mean, I'm not saying I'm not even sure if it's a sneaky thing. I'm pretty sure it isn't. Yeah. But like, clearly there is an eye towards like, this is what's healthy. And I'm trying to raise kids to eat more veggies. Right. So isn't that in in and of itself a little bit wellness culture in disguise for our children? That's what I'm wondering. That's why. Yeah. So I want to address the first question, which is like how I'm handling it for my kids. And I'd love to hear how you handle it with the boys. In fact, you wrote a really great piece that I don't know if we've shared it or not about like how you kind of muddled through the first couple of years with the boys and like feeling like it didn't matter how you talked about your body and weight and diet culture in your house mattered less because you had boys. And then you realize like, oh, actually it doesn't matter if you have boys or girls, like it's important to talk about it. So I feel like I've made some mistakes in <laughs> how I handle it. And I'm just going to be quite honest with that, which is that for a real, Ella's seven and a half now. And I basically have never talked about my body to her or in front of her. And I've never talked about her body to her or in front of her because 
I had a mom who was always on a diet Mm -hmm. and Mm -hmm. that really is, I don't want to say it like it led me to disordered eating, but I do think that it heavily influenced it. And I just never wanted that for Ella. And so I'm really careful about how I talk about my body and her body to her. But I also think that maybe I've messed up because I haven't talked about weight and different body types and how they're all good either because I've been yeah. so, I'm I'm not going to talk about it at all. And now like she has she's upstairs having screen time and she's watching YouTube and there are lots of different body types and different things that she's exposed to and I haven't like I personally don't feel like I've set enough of a, a steady foundation where she can look at other body types and recognize that like that body type is different from her body type and that's not bad. And so we're slowly starting to talk about that more, like how we talk about our body and that like you have fat, you aren't fat. Like those are two different distinctions. And also trying to talk to her a little bit about marketing because that's a little bit of, of a piece of diet culture that is pervasive and you can't avoid. Like the pa- people on packaging are a certain size and build and like people on the front of magazine are a certain size of build a build even dolls like i know that barbie has started to incorporate different body styles in their dolls but for a long time it was like one and the american girl dolls like they're all one body type which i mean is like plump little doll but <laughs> yeah <laughs> but still like the the idea that in in marketing there's not a lot of diversity and that we need to start communicating to our children that there's a difference between reality and and marketing. Oh, and do I have a doozy of a story for you on that? Okay. But you're you reminding sure? yes, but you're yes. reminding me of something I do. I've been actively trying to learn more about diversity, equity, and inclusion work. Mm -hmm. Um, It started at school, but it's, you know, it just, I believe has to be something that we all have to incorporate in all of our thinking. You are also very sensitive to this work and we try to think about it in um, how we frame things on the podcast and trying to make sure we do everything we can to get as many perspectives as possible. So. In that context, it used to be, I'm older than you, but when I went to college, even academics and intellectuals, it was all about colorblindness. We're all one race. We're the human race. And now all the research shows that actually that's not the way you talk about race. You actually have to talk about race because kids see it. They attend to it. Some uh, psychological studies show that they attend to it even when they're a baby. They notice. So we need to talk about it and we need to talk about it positively. We need to define it. We need to tell them, yes, that person's black, that person's Asian, that person's, uh, you know, a combination of things. And we're all the same in this way. And this is how we're different and it's beautiful. It's the same thing with bodies. We also were kind of taught, like, don't talk about it. (laughs) And actually we should have been filling the void because the kids are filling the empty spaces with their own, you know, connections and their own observations. Right. It's like, if we don't talk to them about it, the world at large talks to them. Right. And And we know what that message is. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. And I will, I will say no one taught me like my, what I'm muddling through with my own kids is a direct reaction, which is probably super healthy sarcasm (laughs) uh, (laughs) to my own upbringing. Right. It's a direct, I'm like trying to do the opposite of what was modeled to me because it wasn't good for me. And that, that again, the middle ground is probably the better place to be. Uh, We all do that. So tell us, how are you talking to your kids about your weight loss and bodies now that you've kind of yeah. come to I'm this new place. I'm definitely not posing it as weight loss. I'm definitely posing it as like, I'm trying to just take like work out because that makes me feel good. I was on my fitness pal the other day and Ella was like kind of looking over my shoulder on my phone and she was like, oh, what is that? And I was like, oh, it's this app that I'm using to, to pay attention to my nutrition, to make sure that I'm getting enough fruits and vegetables every day and drinking enough water so that she has an idea that like I'm focusing on health, but that it's not about weight. Emma is like, so not aware. Yeah. And so doesn't care. 
I don't, there's some sticky parts that we're entering in with Ella going into second grade that I'm not sure how I'm going to approach. Like I'm going to share this part of she's weirdly like not wanting to wear tank tops right now, even though it's hot, it's mm-hmm. summer because she has this little, like where her sh- her chest meets her arm, this little, like, I don't know what to call it. It's like a little roll. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And she feels for some reason that I don't understand. She doesn't like it. She feels self-conscious about it. So I, I, I need to like figure out how to work through that and kind of like report back. But yeah. the point being that she's aware of her body in a way that I haven't um, modeled or established for her. And so we're going to have to do a little bit of work. Oh, I just got very emotional hearing that. Yeah. It's like, that's what I'm saying when I say, I feel like I messed up because I didn't talk to her about her body or body weight or body image. And now she's establishing some of her own thoughts and I want them to be good. And so, so Ella has started reading about puberty. She picked out a couple of like (laughs) Girl Scout books or maybe, yeah, I think they're Girl Scout books because this is so weird. I read this thread in the forever 35 parents group where someone was like, my 10 year old daughter just started her period. And I never talked to her about periods. And she's like, we're all shook. And I was like, Oh, I don't want to do that because you know, as like, there's a whole big thing we can dive into as like the development has changed. And so young girls are getting their periods and developing breasts way earlier than they used to. So we need to sort of like start the conversation. And I'm using the the idea of talking about um, development to also have more conversations with Ella about her body. I don't know if that's the correct way to do it, but that feels like an entry point that's neutral and that yeah. it's not about weight and what she's eating and whether she's exercising or not. It's hard for me to hear you keep saying that you feel like you made a mistake. I have to be honest. That's part of what makes me emotional about it because you just did the best you could and you didn't. I feel like the only time I try really hard not to judge other parents and that uh, I'm going to be completely frank. That has been a journey for me. Like I'm fairly naturally a judgmental person. And I, <laughs> Actually, I, I think we all are. We I, should, I guess. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. I'm just owning my, my place in it. And I have made a concerted effort over the last several years. And like motherhood is the most humbling thing ever. But the thing that still kind of gets me is when someone doesn't have any intention or they don't bother to think about it. Do you know what I mean? Like, yeah. that's a little hard for me just because I think that I have some like very weird feelings of neglect as a child, which yeah. side note, I was not neglected <laughs> at all, but I did have a very, very, very challenging sibling with some serious problems. Mm-hmm. And that took a lot of my parents resource, their emotional, mental resources, financial too, to be honest. But anyway, side note. So like that is still a trigger for me when I feel like people aren't thinking, but when you like, you gave this thought, you just made a decision based on what you knew and what you experienced, you know? And the truth is, I do think that some people are more naturally, like it's in their personality they're going to be more naturally self-conscious of their bodies and other people are going to not give a flying, you know what about it. Cause they're just not self-conscious that way. Yeah. So it's not There's just a whole you. Piece of mental health that's wrapped up in it too. Like disordered eating is a mental health issue. Um, and I would actually probably say like looking back now that that was probably an indicator of my like depression and anxiety uh-huh. and that's how it manifested itself. Yep. And I know now that my children are going to be predisposed yep. to depression and anxiety and yep. because of Brian ADHD. And so I pay attention. I, I need to accept that that's going to be part of our of our journey totally. in talking about bodies. Um, we, we only have a few more minutes. So yeah. I want to be sure to hear how you're addressing weight loss and body image because you have two boys. I do have two boys. So it's, um, I think I spent a lot of time when they were little thinking that it wasn't important and then being like, oh my God. And that was also conscious, but I was like, oh, phew, I can wipe my brow and like take a minute and leave a little bit of this to Mike because that stuff was so heavy between me and my mom. Um, and I was like, ah, oh, I don't have to deal with that mother-daughter stuff. <laughs> 
And then I quickly realized that that wasn't the case. Um, I think especially since Isaac is such a um, intense person and gets so like hyper-focused and is so like uh, high achieving that he has this passion for basketball and he kind of is very aware of his body, of exercise. He's not going to sleep away camp this summer and has asked if he could work out and get a trainer, not just basketball trainer, but like he wants to start going to the gym, which, you know, it really it's like after a certain point in puberty that matters and actually builds up before that you're just risking hurting yourself. Yeah. Right. But also he is also very aware of food and I also am not the happiest with some of the decisions I made. One of the things I really admire about how you just explained how you're talking to your kids about it is that you were getting to this concept of healthy, but without using that word. So yeah. instead of like defining healthy as eating vegetables and drinking water, da, da, you're just saying, this is what my body needs. I was, I mean, Isaac's 12. Like I was one of the first bloggers to be talking about organic, avoiding plastics. It was a scary time. There wasn't a lot of information. There weren't a lot of great baby food choices at the time. Like there weren't even a lot of organic choices. This makes me sound ancient, but anyway, it's true. It's like it, this, all this wellness and organic is really new in the last 15 years at most. So I did a lot of talking about healthy. Like I did define healthy. Healthy is not Doritos. Healthy is kale. Like I did that. And I'm trying to retool a little bit because even though I didn't talk about weight, it's like, you know, like we just said, they filled the blanks. So he filled the blanks, like Mm. associating the way I was talking about healthy with weight. And then he says, just last night, uh, I get so fat when I eat. I was like, you don't get fat. Your belly's full. <laughs> you just yeah, filled it with those stuff. Are two very distinct <laughs> and different things. Your belly's full. Yeah. So there's a lot of like you, like new groundwork that I'm trying to lay. And in some ways it's scary to me that he's older because those older pathways are more um in a groove. But also we can have these really great honest conversations. Yeah. And as for myself, I have really shifted towards my weightlifting and being strong. And I have to say the one thing that has helped me find balance and stop focusing on hating my body or judging my body, I should say is probably more accurate is lifting weights because I had never, like, I just worked out aerobic to lose pounds, to lose fat. And I was scared to lift weights because I thought it would make me bulky, which is a total myth, whatever, look it up. Too long to go into here. But being strong and like my boys knowing that I can pick Isaac up at 95 pounds and carry him up two flights of stairs in my house, no problem, is really... I mean, it's nice because it's impressive to them. I feel like a badass. I know. I'm, like, I'm very impressed. <laughs> I with you am. Right I now. can do it. I go, can. Mama, go. I know. But it does sort of shift everything away from like the food and the stuff. It's like, oh, strong. Like strong is cool. I don't strong know if that's is cool because they're boys or what, but like they know that when I go to the gym, it's because I want to be strong. And I joke because I want to be stronger than you as long as possible. <laughs> like, yeah. So I'm, we're I, really severing that that one particular pathway between exercise and weight loss. Yeah, and I think that's actually a thing we did we haven't talked about yet, but it's also important to note, which is um, if you are lifting weights, you may like get like on the scale gain weight, and so some people actually like don't use again weight is not the best indicator of health, but if they're tracking like how their body feels, they may use measurements instead because you can like lose inches around your body while you're weightlifting. That totally happened to me. And have your weight stay exactly the same. Yeah. So you shared your weight and height. I shared my highest weight and height. I'm not that much lower than that. Again, I'm barely 5'5". And I think right now I really haven't weighed myself in several weeks, but I hover around like 140, 145. And I'm like, that's not that different than you. And you're quite a bit taller than me. 
But I also, in the last year, have gone down to clothing sizes, right? which I only share to say that the weight, that number doesn't indicate anything, like regardless of what your goal is. Yeah. It's all relative to like your muscle mass and your height and so many other factors rather than just like the one number. So I would say like an added takeaway is if you, if you think you want to your body to feel different and you want to feel different about your body, just looking at the weight is not going to give you the best measurement of how you feel. Oh, so completely. So Megan, I don't even know, like, how do we wrap this one up? Like, I don't know that we, I don't know. It's kind of like our episode on the the mental load of yeah. feeding our families where we're really at the end, we're just sharing our personal stories and what we're going through. And I, I'm happy to come back and report at the end of summer, like, am I still keeping up with trying to lose weight? Did I lose any weight? how do I feel about it now? And how have we, how have I worked through the summer specifically with Ella and talking about her body image and trying to fold her in on that. And also I want to hear from our listeners. Like, do you never want us to talk about weight loss ever again? <laughs> Cause that's fine. By the way, like episode of about, or we're at a podcast about feeding our families. But I think that's part of it. Like we have to feed ourselves and take care of ourselves too. And we don't talk about that as much as maybe we should. Yeah, I, that's all. That's all. All I would say is like this is very personal. We're happy to share it, and also please tell us if you never want to hear about it again, or tell us like if you are happy to hear about it and you want to know more, and if we can bring in uh, experts to to give us more guidance here, because I don't think that either of us are experts. Yeah, absolutely. And I'll also say that this is perhaps a great space to utilize our listeners group. Um, This isn't just a plug, but seriously, like if this isn't something you guys want to hear on the podcast, but you are curious about, you know, everything that Megan just shared about herself that she said she would follow up on my PCOS. I have been on metformin. I just shared that. If any of you out there have PCOS, this is probably a familiar drug to you. I have felt terrible for the last week that I've been on it again. And so now I'm switching to extended release. So we'll see what that does. And I've just done a ton of work and I just switched to a new endocrinologist who is, um, an MD endocrinologist, but also like very, she's an integrative doctor basically. So we also have a bunch of herbs that she says work in the same way as metformin and other PCOS pharmaceutical remedies. So I'm going to be trying a bunch of things out with the goal of not feeling tired and crappy, but also maintaining my weight. And these are all really great things to talk about in the listeners group. Yeah, I just also had recently had this thought, Stacey, and I'm gonna just throw this at you on Uh-oh. recording. Oh, I <laughs> of like, should we change the not change the question, but change the answer to the secret question oh. on the listeners group? Because I don't if you sign if you go to Facebook and find us as didn't I just feed you and look for the listeners group, the question is what is Stacy and Megan's favorite cocktail? And the answer to the secret question has long been whiskey. And we get sometimes people who are like, whiskey's not a cocktail. <laughs> Nice. <laughs> Which we we could go into why they're wrong, but anyway. <laughs> I mean, with an ice cube, I think it is. But we <laughs> we shared in our feed a while ago um, the painkiller from yeah from Gladys's a Jamaican yes, place Gladys's, in Brooklyn. Which I've been really into as a cocktail option, like just so summery. The, cream co- coconut cream mm. and pineapple juice um so maybe we should just change the answer to the secret question to whiskey or to painkiller instead and see what happens <laughs> I love it. let's just add so much confusion let's let's <laughs> i mean listen that's did we do that with this episode too it's the new the new name of the podcast mom confusion mom can hey be honest great, that's a great it's real podcast maybe we need to branch out um, All right, so let's do it. Let's do it. Let's, like, yeah, okay. Right so away. if you answered the question whiskey or painkiller, honestly, if you answer with anything, <laughs> I let you in. <laughs> Even the people who are like, I haven't listened all the, to all the episodes. I'm not sure what the answer is, which I'm like, I think we mention it in every episode. We, but uh, whatever, I'll let you in. <laughs> you took the effort to at least answer the question. Welcome <laughs> to our space. <laughs> 
We see you. <laughs> we see you. You're seen. Most importantly, subscribe <laughs> if you want updates on my weight loss and Stacy's PCOS journey because we might bring more information to you. And if you like what you hear, tell your friends about us and leave us a review on iTunes. We read each one of them and we text each other when we see <laughs> new reviews and we just, it makes a big difference for, for people finding us, but also it makes us really happy. It does. Our music is Good Old Times by Alex Cohen, provided by Jim Endo. A huge thank you to our editors, Jeremy Enns, Samantha Gatsik, and the team at Counterweight Creative. I'm Stacy, And I'm Megan. Stay sane and well-fed until next week. Subscribe on iTunes or leave us a review. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.